You are listening to The North Podcast, a ministry of Mount Perrin North in Marietta, Georgia. Well, good evening, everybody. How are you tonight? Good to see you. Glad you are here. If you've got your Bibles, I'd like you to take them and turn with me to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. We're going to look at the story of Moses and God's calling to Moses tonight. And um, the title of the message is simply, What is that in your hand? How God will use whatever you have for his glory. And God knows how to take your past and turn it into a glorious future. So tonight, I want us to just start with chapter 3, starting in verses 1 through 6. It says, One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. And there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. And Moses stared in amazement. And though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go and see it. And when the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals for you're standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And when Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at the face of God. I know we just prayed, but I want to pray one more time for the message. Father, thank you for the word. Thank you for the word we're going to read. Thank you for the words you've given me to say tonight. I pray that only the words you want me to say would come forth. Because these people don't need to hear from me. They need to hear from you tonight. And so, God, I pray that you would anoint the word as it goes forth and anoint our ears to hear it and our hearts to receive it so that you may accomplish your perfect will And we'll give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you know anything about the Bible, you know that Moses was one of the most revered people in Scripture. I mean, all throughout the Old Testament, all throughout the New Testament, people looked back to the authority and the leadership of Moses. It's one of those where you would look back and go, remember the days. You know, Pastor Brett talked about the good old days. These would be the good old days they would talk about. Do you remember the days of Moses? you remember how Moses led us out? But see, what we don't understand is is when, when, when Moses is called by God, God has to deal with Moses' thoughts of inadequacy and his insecurities in order to use him for the things he wants to do. So I, I need you to know, Moses starts off as, as this miracle child. As a matter of fact, in the very first part of Exodus, the Bible tells us that the Israelites who had been taken there 400 years prior to this, they'd been taken there and they'd lived and they'd grown, that they had grown to such an extent that the Egyptians became afraid of them growing too large. And so they began to put them in enslavement and work them hard to make them build cities, build famous cities. So the Bible tells us that Pharaoh decided that they were still growing too large and still getting too much influence. So he told the Egyptian midwives, that they were, as they were delivering the children, he said, I want you to look at the children, and if they are girls, you can let them live. If they are boys, I need you to kill them on the spot. But the Bible says that the midwives were convicted by the Lord, and so they did not do what Pharaoh said. Pharaoh even called to them and said, why are you letting these babies live? And the Bible says they actually kind of lied. They said, the Hebrew women are different than the Egyptian women. They are so strong that they literally are giving birth before we can get there, especially on the male ones. And so Pharaoh then told everybody, if you see, 
and a, a, an Israel, Israelite, a boy, I want you to kill them on the spot. Moses is born. His mother takes him because she knows what has been handed down by Pharaoh and the edict by him. And she prepares a basket that is lined with pitch or waterproofed. And she puts him in the basket and she puts him in the Nile River so he will not be discovered along the edge. His sister is watching at a distance. And lo and behold, the daughter of Pharaoh comes to take her bath in the Nile. And she hears a baby. And so she sends her servants over. And they look for what this sound is. And they find Moses, this child. And she looks around and says, this child, whose child is this? And nobody can tell her. She says, I'll take him. I'll take him in. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that Moses' sister is watching and she comes over to Pharaoh's daughter and says, if she was British, my lady, just in this, she says, would you like for me to find a Hebrew woman who can nurse and raise this child until he's weaned and bring him to you? And she says, yes. And so she takes him into her home where her mother cares for him until it's time to take him to the palace. He is raised in the palace. He knows the ways of the palace. He has the authority of the palace. He is raised as a grandchild, an adopted grandchild of Pharaoh himself, the king. For 40 years, he lives there. For 40 years, he knows the ways of the Egyptians. 40 years later, he comes out of the palace and he is walking around and he sees the enslavement and the bondage and the abuse that the Israelites are going through. And he is enraged because at heart, those are his people. So the Bible says he watches as one of the slave drivers beats one of the Hebrews so badly that Moses premeditated. The Bible says he waits until he thought no one was looking, finds the Egyptian, kills him, and buries him in the sand. The very next day, he comes out, and he sees two Hebrews fighting each other. And he says, brothers, you shouldn't be fighting each other. And one of them says, why? What are you going to do? Take us out to kill us like you did that Egyptian? And Moses realizes, oh, goodness, they know. Pharaoh gets wind of it, and Pharaoh sends for Moses. Moses then runs into the wilderness and hides. Moses hides in the wilderness for 40 years. Not able to go back to his people. Not able to go back to his adopted home. For 40 years, he hides in the wilderness. He finds a wife. He has children. And yet at the same time, he is away from everything he knows. After 40 years, when he is 80 years old, he is walking one day, and he sees this remarkable thing. It is a bush that is on fire, and yet it is not consumed. It keeps burning, but it doesn't burn up. And so he walks over to it, and God gets his attention and says, Moses. And Moses says, here I am. And God said, come close, but show reverence and rest, because I'm the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob. The Bible says Moses is filled with fear at that moment. He goes from being a Hebrew child 
with no sense of security as he's being placed in the Nile. There's no assurance he's going to survive. To a position of authority in the palace for 40 years, to exiled as a shepherd, the Egyptians loathed shepherds. They couldn't stand them. And he becomes everything that he never wanted to be. And then God calls to him. And there's a, God, there's a calling that God does in his life that changes him forever. There's three things I want you to see. Three things I want you to see. When God calls you, God's call is to me, but it's for others. God's call is to you, but it's for others. When God calls Moses, it's not to elevate Moses. It's to free God's people. Look at verse 7. It says, Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites now live. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now go. For I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. I'm sure when God starts speaking to him, I'm sure that Moses says, finally, finally God sees this. Finally God sees the oppression. I mean, Moses himself saw the oppression 40 years prior to this, but he did it and handled it in a wrong way, which wound up putting him in exile. For 40 years he's been in exile, and he says, "Finally God sees what I saw 40 years ago, and finally God's going to do something about it." And then God says, "You know what I'm going to do about it? I'm going to send you." And Moses has to be Speechless, flabbergasted. I mean, God, I tried this 40 years ago and look what it got me. I mean, God, you couldn't have called me 40 years ago when I was in the palace and had some influence and done it differently. You couldn't have called me 40 years ago when I was 40 and had some energy. You couldn't have called me then. You're calling me now after 40 years in exile in the wilderness, doing stuff I didn't want to do, being in a place where I didn't want to be, being, being what I thought I shouldn't be. Now you're going to call me? But God's call was to Moses. It was for his people. See, the call was not about Moses. The call was about God's people. Again, when God calls you, when God uses you, it's not to elevate you. When God calls you and uses you, it's not to bring you glory. When God calls you and uses you, it's because he sees something in you that can help somebody else that is oppressed. And what he wants to do is the same thing he wanted to do with the Israelites and help set people free. God's call is to me. It is to you. But it is always for others. The second thing I want you to see is this. Is my response to God will focus either on my inabilities or God's ability. It's going to focus on either my inabilities or God's ability. Look at Moses' response. There's five different things that Moses says back to God when God says, here's what I want you to do. 
I've seen the oppression. And Moses says, good news. And he says, I'm sending you. Moses says, bad news, you know. Five responses Moses has to God. In chapter 3, verse 11, here's what he says. He basically tells God, I'm nobody. Here's what he says. But Moses protested to God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? This was God's answer. I'll be with you. And this is the sign that I'm the one who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. I I just want to pause there for a second. That is not the answer I'd be looking for. Do, Do you realize what he said? You go and do, and then you will see. I mean, most of us want to say, can you show me a different sign? Can you give me something different? Look what he says. He says, here's your sign that I'm with you. When you bring them out, I'll meet you here at this mountain. But that's it. This is the same look I remember. My dad taught me this way. I taught my kids this way. It's the same. When my kids, and when I would ask my dad, my dad would say, here's what I want you to do. And if I ever said why, dad would say, you don't get to ask me why until after you do it. I'll explain every decision I make for you, but it's after you do it. Because what you need to learn is authority and obedience. And then I'll explain to you why. You don't obey because you understand, you understand when you obey. That's what he says. He says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to do something so strange, I want you to believe before you see. I want you to have faith in what I'm calling you to do. I'll be with you. God, how am I going to know you're with me? When you take that step of faith, I'm going to meet you right here. And you'll know I'm with you the whole way. Moses says, I'm nobody. And God says, I'll be with you. Then Moses responds and he says, but I have no authority. There's no authority. He goes, in verse 13, he says, Moses protested, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they will ask me, what is his name? What should I tell them? You know what God said? He said, here's what I want you to tell them. I am who I am. And then he goes on and says, say this to the people. I am has sent me. Two things. That's a name they've never known before. So he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to tell them, I am who I am. What it means is, I am who I am. I will be who I will be. I will do what I will do. Tell them he's the one who sent you. That is the name of the God of their ancestors. What he's saying is this. Believe that I'll be with you. And believe that I am who I say I am. Tell them that. Because the people are going to have to have faith too. They're not going to have to just have faith in Moses. They're going to have to have faith in God. Moses then protests more. And he says, but nobody will listen to me. Here's what he says in in chapter 4, verse 1. He says, Moses protested again. Notice this. Protested, protested, protested again. What if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? What if they look at me and say, you have lost your mind? God says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take the staff that you're holding in your hand, and I want you to throw it down on the ground. And the Bible says he threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent, a snake. And then God says, now I want you to reach down and pick it up by the tail. 
to his credit, Moses reaches down right away, picks it up by the tail, and the Bible says it turns right back in to a staff. Then God says, here's what I want you to do. Take your hand and put it into your cloak. And when he does, he brings it back out, and it is filled with leprous skin disease. Deadly. He says, now put it back in. And he brings it back out, and it is clean again. What he's saying is this. He said, they're not listening to you because of you. I'm going to go with you. I'm going to be with you. I'm putting the authority of my name on you. I'm going to give you miraculous, um, uh, the ability to perform miracles in their presence. And then they'll listen. Again, Moses protests again. After the staff becomes a serpent and turns back into a staff, after the leprosy and putting it back in, after these miracles are done and he sees them done, the Bible says he just looks at the Lord and says, I'm not gifted enough. I don't have what it takes. Here's what he says. Moses pleaded with the Lord. So listen, three times it says he protested. Now it says he pleaded. Pleaded with the Lord. Oh, Lord, I'm not very good with words. I never have been, and I'm not now. Even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied, and my words get tangled. And God speaks to him in the very next verse and says, Who do you think makes a person's mouth? He says, Who decides whether people speak or do not speak, hear or do not hear, see or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? You know what he's saying? Do you really think, Moses, I have made a mistake here? Do you really think that I look down and says, I'm going to pick him, and when you tell me this, I'm going to go, oh, I must have got that one wrong. Who is it that decides these things? He says, it is I, the Lord. And so Moses then responds one more time. And he basically says this, I hear all of those things, Lord. He says, but I don't want to do this. Here's what it says in verse 13. Moses again pleaded, Lord, please send someone else. You know what the Lord's response here was? Verse 14 says, and the Lord became angry with Moses. You know what's interesting? It's the only time God gets angry with Moses in this encounter. He doesn't get angry about his questions. He doesn't get angry about his self-doubt. He doesn't get angry about his insecurity. He doesn't get angry about his lack of giftings. He's only angry when he tries to refuse. When God tells him, I'll be with you, I'll give you my name, I'll give you my authority, I'll give you miracles, I'll give you the ability to speak, I'll help you overcome all those things, I will take care of everything that you're concerned about. And he says, I still don't want to go. Then God gets angry because he refuses. This is not about inability. This is about his refusal to go. God is not concerned about what you think is your inability. God is concerned about your availability because God is more than enough. And when God calls us, our response is either going to focus on our inability or God's ability. So when God asks you to do something, when God speaks to your heart about something, what do you focus on? Do you focus on all the reasons why you can't do something Or do you remember that the Lord of heaven and earth is enough to overcome every shortcoming you have? God's response then begins to transform everything. 
God is angry with him. But God empowers him to go. You see, this is the remarkable thing. Even though God sees it in Moses, Moses doesn't see it himself, and Moses really doesn't want to go, God still uses him. God still anoints him. God still empowers him. And God still sends him. Because God is transforming everything in Moses' life. You see, God's response to us transforms our pain and our problems into his purpose. Our pain and our problems into his purpose. In verse 2, it says, The Lord asked him, Moses, What is that in your hand? A shepherd's staff, Moses replied. What do you have in your hand? Staff. This same piece of wood I've been carrying around for 40 years. This same piece of wood I didn't ask for, I didn't want, and yet this is my lot in life. That's what's in my hand. What's in your hand? The symbol of every disappointment I've ever had in my life. That's what's in my hand. Moses was told the story of how he was rescued out of the waters of the Nile. Moses was raised in a king's palace as an adopted grandchild of Pharaoh. Moses was told all his life by his birth family that God had a special plan for him. And then he takes a man's life and he runs off into exile and he lives 40 years in the wilderness away from what he thought was going to be his promise. What do you have in your hand? The symbol that I have resigned myself to believe that I either missed God's voice or messed up God's plan. This is my lot in life. But little did he know that what he thought was a setback, a 40-year setback, was simply a setup for God to use him and God to be glorified. You see, God used the miraculous salvation of Moses from the Nile River as a foreshadowing of the miraculous salvation of his people from Egypt. The name Moses means to draw out. They named him and says, I'll name him Moses because I drew him out of the Nile. Do you understand that? God's going to use that same little boy that was drawn out of the Nile, and he's going to use him to draw his people out of Egypt. And not only that, that is going to be a future foreshadowing of Christ our Lord drawing us out of sin and shame and sorrow into the promise of God's victory and his anointing and his favor. God's going to use that in a way that he never dreamed possible. Here's what I know. Every moment of your life from the moment you were born has already been seen by God and nothing is a surprise to him. And what you think has set you back and set you off, God is able to redeem it and turn it and use it for his glory. Do you know that God took the staff that reminded him of his failures? See, Moses is thinking, instead of a scepter of authority in Pharaoh's palace, I have the staff of a shepherd in a lowly place in the wilderness. 
But the symbol that he thought was held him back was the very thing God was going to use to bring his people out of Egypt. Do you know that it was Moses' staff and the staff of Aaron, his brother, that consistently God used to perform miracles and to perform the plagues that caused them to go out. It was Moses who held his staff out over the Red Sea and the waters parted and the people crossed over on dry land. The thing that he thought was the symbol of his setback and his despair and his wilderness, God used as a symbol for his deliverance transformed it. Do you know that God took those 40 years that Moses thought were wasted and used them as a training ground so that he could be an expert wilderness guide to guide 2 million people for 40 years in a wilderness they didn't know, but Moses did? Listen to me. One day, you're going to look back and you're going to see that what you thought was a place of settling was a place of preparing. One day you're going to look back and see that what you thought was a season of disappointment was a season of discovery. One day you're going to look back and find out that what you thought was a dwelling of hopelessness was actually a doorway to deliverance for not only yourself but other people. What you thought was a destiny of obscurity was actually a training ground of purpose because God knows how to take your wilderness moments and turn them into his delivering power. Here's what I know. I don't know when, I don't know where. But if you feel like you're in that wilderness, if you feel like God is far from you and things are not turning out the way that you thought they were going to turn out, I can't tell you when and I can't tell you where, but I do believe that just like Moses at the burning bush, there's coming a moment where you encounter God and it's going to remind you of the promise you thought was gone. And it's going to reignite the passion for God. And you are going to reemerge from the wilderness of despair and fulfill the very purpose God created you for. Listen to me. There's no demon in hell that can keep God's plan from coming true if you believe, if you trust, if you obey, if you respond. And I'm believing tonight that for some of you, you feel like you are in despair, God is going to bring you out. He's going to reignite something in you. And you're going to see him in a new way so that he can use you in a new way, a way that you never dreamed possible. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes? Father, in these next few moments, I pray you prepare our hearts as fertile ground for your Holy Spirit to do a work in us that only you can do. As you call to us, just like you called for Moses in the burning bush, I pray that we'll respond in obedience. When we feel like we're in that wilderness, when we feel like we are far from you and far from the things that you wanted to accomplish in our life, when we feel like disappointment is surrounding us, because things didn't turn out the way we thought they were going to turn out. When we feel like life's circumstances have worked so against us that we're never going to be who we thought we were going to be, who we believed you promised that we were going to be. As we stand on your holy ground tonight, I pray that our eyes become fixed on you, the author and the finisher of our faith so that you can do all in us 
all that you have accomplished and you have intended to accomplish all of our lives. And Lord, by faith, we go ahead and give you praise for that in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I'm going to ask you to stand with me, please. We're going to worship in song. I'm going to invite our prayer team to come down front here. And here's what I know. Tonight, whatever need you have, if it's a physical need, if it's an emotional need, if it's relational, if it's financial, whatever the need is, I'm going to invite you, but especially those of you who may feel like you have, God has forgotten you or you feel like the thing that you thought was going to happen in your life is not turning around. If you've been disappointed, I'm going to encourage you, bring that to the Lord tonight and let him speak to you and reignite something in you. Let's worship together. Let's believe together. Our prayer team is here. Our altars are open. If you have any need whatsoever, please come forward and let us pray with you.
story tonight. Come on, testify. I sought the Lord and he heard and he answered. I sought the Lord and he heard and he answered. I sought the Lord and he heard and he answered. That's why I trust him. That's why I trust him. I sought the Lord and he heard and he answered. I sought the
I believe that God has unbelievable plans for your life. And no matter what the enemy may have tried to move you aside or convince you that it's past you, I'm telling you, God's plan for you is still great. And I believe God's going to do great things in you. believe that tonight? You believe that for your life? Amen. Thanks for being here on First Wednesday. I hope you'll be here Sunday. We're continuing our series going Peace of Mind. And uh, I'm going to bless you in just a moment. I just want to say um, um, we're always glad to see everybody here. But we've got some folks here um, that have been that were part of our staff for a long time. And they're visiting with us. They're back in here, Mark and Linda Flynn. Man, we're glad to see you guys. Good to see you again. They have retired and living it up on the coast in the sun. And uh, I don't know if you're here visiting or running from hurricanes, but I'm glad you're here, whatever the case is. Love you guys. Hey, let me take the privilege to bless you before you go. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Let's give our response from Psalm 19. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength 
and my Redeemer. God bless you, folks. Love you. Have a great remainder of the week. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you would like to learn more about North, be sure to check out our website at mountparanorth.com. If you have any questions, you can email us at info at mountparanorth.com or give us a call at 770-578-9081. And if you're in the Marietta, Georgia area, we'd love to have you join us for worship next Sunday at 945 or 1115 a.m. Again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.